All right, welcome to another edition of the Horse Racing Happy Hour. Mike and Doffel here with Louis Rabot. Louis, have you ever actually listened to that song the entire way through? 100%. Um, I, I just realized today that I have not. I've never listened to <laughs> that song way, you know, all the way through. When we're joined today by the illustrious John Sherba. I think it's a good adjective for him. What do you think, Louis? Yeah. All right. John? How are you? You got, a, you got a special guest in the in the room with you. It sounds like uh, Griff is in the uh, room as always. Um, All right, good. <coughs> All right, good deal. Oh, he's well here. Come on, Griff. You want to get up there? Yeah, look, you'll listen. I'll be in the horse racing happy hour. This is okay. we always have animals. Oh, look at that! You great. Like you put him in a purse and came around Orlando. That's what I wanted. Uh, no. All right. Is that a good looking pup or what? He's a good looking pup. <laughs> that dog has had more steaks or from Baltimore than I have. <laughs> ah, good to have you on the show john uh we're going to talk about several things uh and i know you were at flight lines uh win in the pacific classic we definitely want to get there but we, i think we got to start though with uh queen elizabeth passing away that news just coming down just uh just a couple of hours ago i mean it's pretty fresh um most people who would listen to this show i think would understand that queen elizabeth is a huge supporter of horse racing as an owner a breeder she actually there's five classic races in the united kingdom she's won four of them all of them except the epsom derby she's been to the kentucky derby three times um and it's just a it's a it's a big loss for uh for the sport uh john do you have any queen elizabeth stories because i think you would probably would more likely have something than we would uh i actually have, i've never met the queen okay uh actually i've never seen the queen uh but um you know, her support of uh, thoroughbred racing in the UK has, has been tremendous. I think this past year was the first time in a, quite a while she hasn't gone to Royal Ascot. And, um, uh, you know, she's had some horses run in the U.S. that have won. Uh, I'm going, I, you know, I don't know who actually owns them. I mean, she's listed as the owner. And I think she will, uh, you know, I don't know whether King Charles, which is the first time I ever said that, uh, will King, uh, King Charles the Third, by the way. King Charles the Third, yes. Yes. And who can forget King Charles the Second? Um, but um, I, you know, I think he'll just to honor his his mother. Will will sort of keep the stable around. You know, who will actually run? I mean, she never ran it, but she actually showed up. I mean, you know, it's not not Costa Ronas that shows up every weekend, but you know, she showed up. She's in the Hall of Fame over there. You know, she's yep. in the Horse Racing Hall of Fame over there for flat racing. So, um, Louis, there are three you, races named after her: one in Japan, one in the U.S., and one in the U.K. That is a sign that you mm -hmm. have a huge reach in the sport. I have a personal family story about Queen Elizabeth. She had a horse in the Derby, comes over, decides to uh, to watch the Derby in person here in Louisville. Was that 2007? And, right. And my aunt and uncle have uh for the previous five months had a box ready to go at the derby and they're very excited uh my, my uncle the the ceo everyone has a rich uncle i have a ceo type uncle and they find out about a month before the derby that they have lost their seats and my aunt calls uh churchill down she's furious what has happened well the queen needs your box ma'am well guess what <laughs> and my aunt um hopefully has gotten over it, but as of a couple of years ago, hadn't gotten over it. <laughs> well, that's, uh, that's um, got to be a testament to the quality of that box. Uh, oh, no, that's what I'm saying. Like, that's that's 
Everybody has a rich uncle and I have that uncle. So yes, hundred percent. You know, the, um, the interesting thing too, actually the, the, the minor connection from the queen to this show, the first time I ever did broadcast radio with Mike was on my uncle's birthday at uh, the justify derby. Um, and so my aunt and uncle were back in town for the first time since they were bumped out of their box uh, in 2018 for my uncle's 70th birthday. And so there you go. There's my, uh, that's my, the, my one connection to the horse racing and the queen. There you go. Long, long live the queen. Long live and, the queen. Uh, uh, and then now we've got uh, um, Charles the third. Yeah, God Charles save the, the king. Third. That's right. Yeah. We haven't said yeah. God save the king in our lifetime. How about that? Oh, that's pretty yeah. crazy. Yeah. That's wild. Yeah. Even Sherva's lifetime, which is even more. Uh, it, it's close. It's close, <laughs> but, uh, but not quite. I mean, uh, you know, without the queen, we wouldn't have the, the TV show, the, the crown. You know, <laughs> there you go. All right. So, I mean, that might be her lasting uh, legacy was uh, was spawning the crown. Louie, what are you drinking there? You got a tall, uh, tall glass. I just have some American light beer. Decided to get out the old, uh, the old 30 ounce, uh, you know, thing for this afternoon. It, this is as nice a weather day as we have ever had. I mean, it is, it's pretty nice. It is, it was great. I was at Kentucky Downs this morning. Um, it was great. And then, of course, John's like, I can do the show at three. And I'm like, oh, so I'm not going to watch any races today. So I ran home uh, and did this instead. I did see Ron Flatter and talked to John Sherbin the same day. So that's a good day. And Dan Issel. I mean, you can't forget about Dan Issel. Issel is, did the Flatter pod today. How about that? Okay. So did, Dan's, <laughs> did you Dan's and Dan have to drive separately? Is that what had to happen? No, he's figured out he could be a minor celebrity on the on the podcast realm. So that's good. Uh, okay. All right. <laughs> good deal. Shouldn't well, we all be drinking tea, though? We should be, well, listen, I can't do that. I can't drink. No, I'm not doing it. I love the that's one of my favorite parts about the the whole Ted Lasso series is just how much he can't stand the tea over there. So, um, all right, let's get right into uh, the the impressive, I mean, just unbelievable. I, I showed this race, I watched the replay, I didn't watch it live of Flight Line in the Pacific Classic, and then I immediately showed it to my wife. Because I don't know, you know, obviously it wasn't the 157 that Spectacular Bid had, the, the fastest 10 furlong ever. But Flavian never rode him. Like, <laughs> never did anything. Exactly. Hey, do me a favor. Back this up to where to before the final turn where he, he starts to mm -hmm. make his move. Because that, to me, is it is it is impossible to describe unless, unless you actually watch it. And I, I would actually like to see it again. I mean, all he does is shake the shake the reins a little bit. Never little. sits down on the horse, and he's still a sub two minute uh, ten furlong. Uh, John, have you ever seen anything like that? No. And um, uh, and the thing is, is he did it so effortlessly. I mean, it was he he never struggled. Um, it, when before the race, you know, I was talking to people and we were saying, "Wow, man, if, if he wins by like six, won't that be impressive?" And, and he won by 19 and a quarter. And we were down there, and I was actually, you mentioned Flatter. I was standing next to Flatter down in the winter circle. It's just where we watch the race. And it, it, it was so effortlessly, effortless. And uh, uh, afterwards, you know, Baffert, who, by the way, never comes down when his horse loses, came down uh, to, the, to the track for that. And, and I says, what are you thinking? He says, Flightline was so far ahead that my horse, Country Grammar, who finished second by 19 and quarter lengths, thought he won because he didn't see anybody else there. You know? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a haymaker. Country Grammar, who is a good freaking horse, who is like, you know, Lou, you've brought up the point. Like, it's not like Flightline went up against a bunch of nobodies. There was three right. grade one winners in that race. <laughs> uh, it's not like, it's not like, and I, and 
he won the Triple Crown, so it's, it, he's a great horse. It's not like Justify beating Gronkowski, who's on the dirt for the first time in the Belmont. It's not, that's not what this was. <laughs> this is Country Grammar, who's a Group 1 winner, wins a, a, an eight-digit race in the Arabian Peninsula. Uh, you know, a, a multiple, frankly, really good two-turn horses from Southern California that are used to the track, all that sort of thing. This is, this is the transcendent performance of my time watching horses, and I'm glad to hear that from John because, you know, sometimes you, you wonder if you are watching something that is that transcendent or if it's just it, in the moment it's so great. But I, I went back, I watched it a couple of times. Mike, I'm not surprised you showed it to your wife. I made, I made my buddies flip out of a football game on Saturday. They're all mad, and they're like, what do we watch? I'm like, just watch the five. Just watch the five. Go ahead and roll attack. I hope it's next. Country Grammar down at the rail. Stiletto Boy, Express Train, and still last is Royal Shub's going to come running, but he's got a good 10 lengths to make up on flight line. Let's see, a quarter of a mile to go in the Pacific Classic. Flavion Pratt and flight line are an embarrassing lead. It must be 15 lengths as they turn for home now. And let's see, Flavion Pratt just shakes the reins at flight line and take a good look at this because you're not going to see this too often, maybe never again. Flight line, 20 lengths clear. Flavion Pratt takes a hold and canters in in the TVG Pacific Classic. Second place will go to Country Grammar. Then came Royal <laughs> Ship Express Train. I mean, unbelievable. I don't mean to laugh. I'm sorry, because Country Grammar is a really good horse, but it's just like, wait, 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 and a horse appears. You know, that's the classic stuff. You know, Country Grammar's time was faster than his time in the, the uh, Dubai World Cup. Now, oh. I know they're different, they're different surfaces, uh, but that, that just underscores. Yeah. Uh, I, you know, I have never physically seen a better performance. Uh, you know, again, I, I wasn't there to, to see, you know, Secretariat uh, in the Belmont, which probably is, is the gold standard. Um, but, you know, I mean, we just couldn't believe it. We, we couldn't believe the, the distance that he, he won by, how effortlessly he did. And um, uh, sort of, you know, uh, you know, things you don't expect to happen. Right. I was flying home that night. Um, uh, there are no, you know, San Diego to Orlando overnight flights. Uh, but there is a San Diego to Chicago flight that I then transferred. Right. And, I, and I sit down and, and I got upgraded. And, and I look to my left in, in, in row three is Flavian. Flavian's flying freaking commercial through Chicago to get back to, to Sarasota. I mean, not Sarasota, Saratoga. And, um, you know, I, I said, oh, don't worry. I'm not going to talk to you because I know you want to sleep. And he, he basically said, yeah, he says, I, I just never, never experienced anything like that. It was just, just unbelievable. And, and, um, and yeah, you're right. He didn't ride him in the stretch. He just, you know, never went to the whip and, uh, it, <laughs> of all the dumb things you can say, it's uh, that was the best performance since I've seen since Flightline won the Malibu. So when yeah. when Spectacular Bid ran his one fifty seven, you know you had the one horse that just like went out to an embarrassing sh you know shot shot out of a cannon kind of lead, set an incredible early pace, uh, and. I mean, I guess you can say that Spectacular Bid kind of closed. It was more, I guess, of a stalk of a horse that was eventually going to run out of gas. If this horse was pushed in any way, shape, or form, could we see him go sub-157? I, I think it's possible. I mean, John John Sadler said, you know, we, we have not seen how talented he is yet. We have ne he, he's never gotten to the bottom of the tank. 
And, and you may never, if, if there's no one, I mean, life is good. It's going to be a pretty formidable opponent. Um, but to me, of, of all, I mean, as spectacular as this race was, I think his race in the Met Mile was really, you know, kind of a defining race in the fact that he overcame a lot of adversity, a lousy, he, he does have lousy starts. Okay, we'll, we'll give him that. Um, but then, you know, he goes up comfortably. He was uh, two or three wide around the first turn. And just, you know, and Flavian said, I, I just, you know, I just wanted to run. So I let him run. And 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 there you have it. Uh, um, uh, there, you know, there wasn't much else. It, it certainly silenced any doubters. You know, can, can he go two turns? Uh, yeah. Can he, go, can he go a mile and a quarter? Uh, yeah. Um, can he do this after only four, now five races? Uh, yeah. So, um uh, you know, it, it, it's he's the kind of horse that I think, regardless of where he runs, I have to cover him the rest of his career. I mean, obviously, the next which time what we're finding out now, he it sounds like he he's very likely to run in 2023. You know, we kind of mentioned uh last oh. week that we thought you know he was going to have this race in the Breeders' Cup and that was it, but uh, they're saying his ownership came out and said uh yesterday that he's very much likely to run at some point in 2023 and uh. You know, I don't know if that's probably if I had to guess, it's probably for just the first part of the year, right? They'll go over there, get the Pegasus, get the Dubai money, and then that'd be it. Well, when you only run two or three races a year, you know, yeah. Uh, and I mean, Costa did that with Accelerate, Costa Ronas, who's the owner, you know, uh, or one of the many owners, but the, the primary spokesman. Um, you know, I, I think he'll certainly, I, I don't know, when you think about the spacing on his, on his races, is the, Month, the two months between the Breeders' Cup Classic and the Pegasus, maybe a little bit more than two months. Is that enough? Eh, probably. Um, and the Pegasus is not an easy race to run because at a, a mile and an eighth at Gulfstream, you have a really short amount of time to get to the. But if you're that talented, <laughs> you know, you what, yeah. what does it matter? You know, yeah. I mean, he can, he can be in the one, he can be in the, you know, eight. But he's, he, I don't think, I'm not sure. I think the biggest race that he'll ever race, the number of horses he'll ever race again will be this November um, in the Classic uh, because, you know, there there were only six horses in, in the Pacific Classic, but they were good horses. As you know, yeah. as we both have said, they, they were darn good horses. I mean, um, you know, I, I just, I, I was blown away. I mean, it was uh, um, a performance like, like Trevor said, like you may never see again. Yeah, I'm glad he he. I'm glad he knew it in. He was willing to say it out loud when it was happening, right? Because I was kind of like, okay, maybe maybe that was their idea, like they were going to get out because it was two turns, and Flavian was going to make a move early, and then, and and I. But I looked at it in my mind. I was like, I think the horse just likes to throw just to run, and it seems like a, a a nerdy romantic thing to say about it, but sometimes horses just want to run. He's one of those horses. Got out there, did the damn thing, and and. You know, like Mike said, I mean, no coaxing from Flavian except a little bit on the backstrap. I mean, just maybe at the eighth pole. But uh, but by the time he got to the 16th and he did the old uh, jockey look under his arm thing, you know, I mean, there, there was nobody there. And um, I love that quote from Baffert. I had no idea that Catherine Kramer was like, hey, we're going to the winner's circle now. What do you mean we're going that way? What's going on here? So, that's pretty wild. Well, John brings up that the biggest field he'll probably ever go up against is up is will be a Keeneland in the Breeders' Cup Classic. And, Louie, I got to ask you, like uh, – how big will that field be? I mean, the, the decision Great will question. have to be. I mean, do you go for the uh, the million dollar second place purse 
at the Breeders' Cup Classic, or do you go for that dirt mile, or you know what? What what do you think? Because there's a lot of those horses that are kind of on the fringe between that classic mile. Uh, you know, I think we're gonna. You know, if it uh, were what do you think? If, if it were at Churchill, the classic field would be nine or ten, because it's it would be the two turn option because the mile would be one turn. It's a two turn mile at Keeneland, and I think it makes it a very easy thing for two horses to drop into the mile rather than going into the classic. And so I think the classic field will be five, six, seven, something like that. John, and, and you think it'll be bigger? The ones, the ones that'll be in with him don't run the style that he does. They're not get out front, stay out front types. And so he's, now, I, I don't, I don't know who's going to challenge him in that kind of field. I mean, you know, the, the conventional wisdom is life is good. I mean, but you know, life is good has, has looked really good, but not like that. Uh, nobody has looked like that. And, um, uh, I think Epicenter is thinking about that, and you know we're going to find out uh, Mike's theory on on the three year old class on that one. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, although I do think I think my Eclipse vote will go to uh, Epicenter for three year old Colt, um, but uh, you know it, it's it, it's almost like it was a, a really strange feeling, and, and I was. Um, Talking to Joe Harper, who's the CEO at, at Del Mar, and actually Josh Josh Rubenstein, who's the COO before the race, and you know, there's just sort of that that anxiety, like, gosh, we really hope he does well, um, because you know, racing needs this. I mean, I, and I've said it, I've written it. You know, racing, uh, most sports celebrate their stars. Racing retires theirs, mm -hmm. and. Um, uh, you know, uh, the fact that Costa is, is potentially willing to go another another year. The thing that, that you know, one of the things that that actually the, that Baffert says a lot is even the very best horse loses. And somewhere next year, Flightline could get beat. He just, you know, may not show up or whatever. But we, we've seen no hint of that. I mean, zero hint of that. Uh, okay, so let's let's map him out. Where, where would you take him? you take him to the Pegasus and... and <laughs> in january then then what's your next stop i mean if you go middle east i think you go to the middle east and then that's it i don't think you come back from the middle east and run again that's probably right you go arabian peninsula you just go do that and be done um the saudi cup for 20 million um i might go I, I might go back to the met mile if i'm him if i run the pegasus go back to the met mile he seemed to like it i just don't like i guess when you're so lightly raced like to me like you know that the whole the whole thing's geared for the breeding. So, you know, if you, if you were going to run him as a five-year-old, I guess I would, I'm surprised he's not a little bit more uh, seasoned than where he is right now as a, from a race perspective. But, uh, you know, so like if you're going to race him, you might as well go race him big, right? Go chase the big purses. And that's going to be over in the Arabian Peninsula. But one, uh, of the things that, but one of the things that Costa said is he wants him to be America's horse. And, um, uh, you know, can can you do? It's it's not like the truth is, these guys don't need the money, mm -hmm. you know. And is it willing to put your horse through the travel to go there, and then then you know, uh, okay. So let's say you do the Saudi Dubai double, and then you come back. I don't know Pacific Classic, and then and then uh, Breeders Cup Classic. Uh, I don't see that. I actually think he'll stay domestic. Um, but you know, I, I don't know. I mean, this is this is a horse of a generation. 
It's a horse. It's a horse of a lifetime. Probably the best horse since Secretariat, if you can say that after five races. And yeah, let's, let's be honest, you can't really say that after five races, uh, but you can think it. Yeah. Well, we've only had I, uh, one horse ever win the British Cup Classic twice, so that would be quite interesting. So. It'd be cool if if they just skipped the Breeders' Cup and just went straight to the Clark. Um, <laughs> in here, so I, I could like sleep in my own bed and you know whatever. Listen, you say that, but you know that this, this, him going to the Breeders' Cup Classic could make this Clark Field way better than what it normally is. That's actually a real possibility. You know, the Clark I do think that two-turn solid. mile is something to watch because because frankly, a two-turn mile for a horse like Life is Good, you could have two free spaces if if they don't go to the same race. I mean, Life is Good would be really good in the Breeders' Cup mile. I think dirt miles. So what, is, what is like you love Olympiad? What's Olympiad do? He has to go to the Classic. Yeah, I would think so too. And I, I'd, I also wonder if life is good. Out of a life is good in Olympiad, who gives a little bit more of a push? Um, so that's a good question. Yeah. Well, the the thing about a, a life is good that will push is that he likes to be out front. Right. And that style, that running style, that that come get me version of him makes him more interesting overall in the race. Um, but yeah, I don't. I don't I, you know how much I, how I feel about Olympiad. I don't see him beating Flightline for sure. Um, Epicenter's a fine three-year-old. He's probably done after this year. I do not see him beating Life is Good. Or excuse me, Flightline. Um, either one. <laughs> either one, probably. Yeah, yeah I do. Um, you know, because, I mean, even, you know, I was just looking at it, you know, uh, Life is Good's chart in the Whitney. Uh, you know, he goes to mile in an eighth and he does it, you know, pretty much in hand, no problem finishing time sub 149. So if you add a furlong to that, he's looking at like a 202, something like that, probably. Um, you know, is that a problem? I, I don't think so because I don't – I'm trying to remember. It's happy, savor, and hot rod. Charlie, I don't think they were pressing him at all. Olympiad had a terrible no. that day. Yeah. So um, so my mind, you know, it's life as good as the, is the main challenger here. But if you can – I I get it. The check, is, the check is what it is and the chance to, <clears throat> excuse me, catch flight line on an off day. Uh, to, to pick off the classic would be pretty great, but a uh, two-turn mile, man, I think it's going to complicate a lot of things. You know, they mentioned the, the off day. I mean, he will have an off day, but does that mean he wins by six instead of 19? Right. Or does that mean he, he finishes up the track? I mean, we don't know. One of the funny things is I saw Craig Pravel, who's the uh, CEO of uh, Stronic Group, uh, just before the race when I was heading, heading downstairs, and, and he called me over. I said, okay, Craig, what's, what's the deal here? If he wins... How about you guys come up with a bonus to get him to run in the awesome again? Craig answered with one word. No. <laughs> <laughs> no. Because <laughs> um, plus, you know, they wouldn't do that. I mean, the thing about, you know, Costa Ronas, his, his brother Pete, you know, is is they really do take care of the horses. I mean, they, they brought Accelerate back as a five after. Did he win the, win the classic at? Four or five. He won four. the classic at. Let's see. I have it up here. He, he won it in 2018. So he was five. Yeah. So he was five. Okay. Yeah. And and, um, and then he came back at six to do the to the, do the Pegasus, yeah. which in concept the Pegasus, which is a totally different deal than it than it started out. It started out to be almost like a quarter horse race where everyone put up a million dollars and you know winner take all. And then that, you mean that when was it like, was awesome. Yes. Yes. Okay. Keep going. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Before it sucked. Yeah. You're right. And, um, and you know, that, that was a sustainable business model. 
but it is, you know, in January, right before the start of the breeding season. So if you're willing to pay the insurance, which um, is what is what I, God, I wrote a story about it. You think I'd remember. I think it's like 5% or something of the horse. It, it's basically with the old, with the, with the older stakes uh, races that they have in, the, in this country and anywhere is it really does not make economic sense to do that because you're not going to make enough money. I mean, even, even the, what the Santa Anita handicap is, the big cap is now like $600,000, you know, and do you keep them around all year to get to some of the, the million dollar breeders cup races, or do you, you know, put them halfway across the, the world to run in, in the Arabian peninsula. There are $5 you know. million dollar races at Kentucky Downs this weekend. Jeez. Yeah. <laughs> on Saturday alone, five turf races worth a million bucks each. I thought I thought they were only one million dollar race. Five one million dollar races. All right. Well, you only got one. You got two million dollar races on there. All well, right. the seven fifty races can be bumped up if it's a Kentucky bread. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um. All right. So before we go on, let me let one last thing about this, and we'll talk more about Flavian's big big day because I think we've got to go there next. Um. How. Does horse racing screw this up, or does horse racing create a just a ton of buzz in the next two months and get tons of eyeballs watching NBC? I mean, to me, John, this is like I remember Zenyatta in the Lost to Blame. That was the most excited I've ever seen a racetrack ever. Uh, Pharaoh in the Classic, uh, people wanted to tune into that. You don't get a Triple Crown runner in Flightline, so people, the average person, doesn't know who Flightline is. How does horse racing go out there and create a buzz for what this is, is probably the greatest horse that anyone's ever going to see? Well, you know, traditionally, horse racing will always screw up whatever opportunity it has. <laughs> that's that's just how they do things. Um, I, I don't know. I don't know if there's a plan to create a buzz with the non, uh, you know, the non regular horse racing followers you got to admit it's remember it's in football season you know and everybody you know the, the first uh you know the rams play tonight you know in, in the first game and then the, you know college football's in week two or week three depending on how you, how you count it and um i'm not sure what they can do you know zenyatta had the the added factor of being a uh you know being being a, a girl horse mm -hmm. you know being a mare and that added that brought in a little bit of a different audience. Um, uh, so, it, and being undefeated, and being undefeated in twenty and, yeah. some odd races, right? Yeah. Um, uh, but uh, you know, I, I don't know. I don't. I don't know how how horse racing can capitalize on this. But here's something to to think about beyond this year and the future of the Breeders' Cup. Um, who has the Big Ten starting next year? Uh, what, NB, no, NBC. Well, one game, yeah. NBC. And you, you wonder if, if what that will do to the Breeders' Cup. Let's say the Breeders' Cup is in Santa Anita. It's in Del Mar. Are they willing to take, that, take the Classic and move it to like, you know, 1 o'clock in the afternoon in, in California so that they can put on a late, a late uh, you know, big – Big well, Ten game. Well, double header Notre Dame, Big Ten. Yeah, right. No, yeah. I mean, uh, I think that's, you know, we, we've talked on your show about the uh, the change to, to FanDuel. 
yeah. uh, from TVG. And um, I think so far, all I've noticed is like us losing like the bottom third of the screen. Um, <laughs> and uh, and thank goodness the transition has has changed because I got so sick of those commercials. You know, well, uh, to be fair, the, the what used to be TVG2 is pretty just solidly horse racing. It's actually pretty good. Okay. Yeah, I think it's called FD Racing. Um, that that's been I've really enjoyed that, and then they actually update the the third screen, which is like the it's it's supposed to simulate you being in a in a in a parlay essentially, in an OTB. And so that's they, okay. But they, I mean, do they do the international races? Yes. Okay. I mean, one of the things that I really when I had a uh, when I lived in Pasadena, I had an apartment there, uh, and I had TVG two. Now I just have TVG and I'll, I'll do have a fire stick that can get to TV. I was going to say, you have to use that, man. You have to use that. Yeah. And that that's kind of a pain in the ass. Um, but uh, one of my favorite things on TVG was when they would take a big race and encapsulate it into 30 minutes and they, they would air though. And I'm kind of a late guy and you know, you, they start, you know, 10, 11, 12, one o'clock in the morning, you can watch some really great races encapsulated in a half hour. Now I, I would frankly rather watch that than, you know, the, the sixth race at Hong Kong, but that's just me. Um, uh, I'm not that interested in international racing. Um, although, you know, when the international horses come over for the British Cup, that's, that adds some. some you listen to that things. episode. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Now, <laughs> um, now more than ever, especially after what Japan did last year. Right. So. Uh, yeah. 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 We'll see if that continues. Um, so, so anyway, I'm not, I'm not sure where, where I was going with that. Um, other than other than the, the TV landscape, I mean, I, I can see horse racing be almost an entirely streaming product product, um, and because uh, and that's not yeah. a negative thing, by the way. That's just the reality of where we're going with a lot of sports, frankly. It, it, so I was listening to an interview yesterday on our local ESPN affiliate. So Bob Valvano used to work at ESPN Radio in Connecticut, and he had one of the original guys who was there yesterday was ESPN's like 37th anniversary of being founded as a company. And when they went to streaming, they discovered that they would take sports that have smaller followings, but very intense followings and put them on the streaming platform. So cricket is one of these in the United States where if you're an Indian expat or a Pakistani expat, whatever, or one of their kids, you're going to watch a lot of cricket, something like that. Right. And then, um, on top of that, they're, they're, I forget the other sports, but um, might be bowling or, or billiards or something like that that have these really intense followings and people go over there. Now, horse racing is a bigger sport than all of those for sure. But I think there are a lot of people who play for um, who pay for um, oh, HRT is it horse racing TV. Is that what I'm thinking of? Um, that is just a say. Did we lose Louie? This happens once a show, John. Louie just kind of like, <laughs> yeah, freezes. freezes out. Yeah, and that's, you know, oh, he's, back. he's back. He's back now. I oh, okay, there we go. Sorry, I he think lost. it's called HRT, Horse Racing Television, something like that. And you just pay five bucks a month and you get the track feed from everywhere. Essentially, is how it works. And um, and so it's its own thing. And I know a lot of people who just watch it that way. They, they want the opposite of what John wants. Hmm. They don't want that 30-minute display of what the race is about to be. Now, John also doesn't watch derby coverage because he's there. <laughs> that's right. So you don't know what NBC is doing for an hour and a half before the Derby, which is fine. I'd rather be in our spot than watching it at home. But the um, it is 
Although they do great uh, human interest stories during that I time. I think NBC does a very good job. Actually. Yeah, absolutely. I, I do, actually. Um, but the uh, especially when I watch, say, the Belmont or something, if I'm not there or whatever, I think they do a really good job. And that's flipping to Fox. That's cu- this coming year, right? Yes. Yeah, so that's a big change, too. It'll be interesting if they have Gus Johnson calling races or whatever Fox decides to do. Um, oh, he flipped a jockey! Uh, whatever, <laughs> uh, whatever Gus decides to do. But uh, the um, what, do you think, what do you think Gus Johnson wears to call the Belmont? Pantyhose. Is it plaid? No. <laughs> All right. But no, but yeah, so it's it'll be interesting going forward. But by the way, John, like like uh, the Breeders' Cup article from uh, Keeneland, I got many pings uh, when we talked about uh, TVG becoming FanDuel TV. So. Yeah, it's it, and again, we'll we'll wait and see if if they change their personnel, if they do some some uh, some changes there. Um, uh, you know what what happens in these first three to four to month four months. You know, and they're again they're going up against the NFL and, and right. college football and and you know FanDuel doesn't care about the you know the million dollar race at Kentucky Downs. Uh, they care about you know the uh, the spread on some of those college and certainly those pro games. All right, Flavian wins three out of the four. But you know comes in from Saratoga wins three out of the four stakes races. Uh, this is him in Hong Kong, Harry. Uh, we'll watch this one, and that's it. Back to I Radio in third. Hong Kong Harry starting a late run. Hong Kong Harry in the white blinkers now making good headway on the outside. They come for home. Goliath getting weary. Air Force Red down the center. Hong Kong Harry coming like a rocket, and Hong Kong Harry just mowed them all down. Hong Kong Harry and Flavian Pratt win the Del Mar Mile. Second. All right, Hong Kong Harry with the uh, impressive close there. Uh, Flavian also won on Gold Phoenix to close out the uh, uh, the card. I mean, that was about – it was legit. I mean, Flavian made his travel day work for him. <laughs> Reminded me of – what was the day, John, that uh, Irad went out west and just won the two grade ones and then flew back? Um, yeah, I'm trying to remember what day that was. It reminded uh, me a lot of that. So I was there. I, I was trying to remember. It might have was it Big Cap Day or yes, uh, yes, I, yes. I, but the thing with Hong Kong Harry is he had a miserable start. Mm-hmm. And when you take a look at that, and Delmar has a really short stretch. You know, Los Alamitos has the longest stretch, and Delmar's not certainly not the shortest. But you know, it, it's tough to come through like he does or like like they did. But um, Flavian is just getting better, you know, and, um, you know, is he, I, I mean, Irad is, 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 is maybe arguably, maybe non-arguably the best jockey in the country right now, but he's got some issues, you know, he, he's, uh, he's a a little reckless at times. Um, and, uh, Joel is, is, you know, fantastic, but he, you know, ask, ask, uh, you know, Steve Asmussen about about his ride on Epicenter in the was it the previous I think you know because he thought it was just miserable. Um, Flavian and, and you know what he's I've known him before he was like really good and uh, he's a really nice guy. He's just he's pleasant. He's he's um, he's respectful when you when he sees you he waves to you. Not that that means anything, but it's it's just like he's kind of aware. Uh, of him of of himself and his his role in the uh in the business and and i think he's you know he's a couple years away from an eclipse award uh you know and and while i was sorry to see him leave southern california um you know he certainly made the right 
the right move for him. Uh, although probably the person who's most happy he left Southern California is Juan Hernandez, who's <laughs> and on the grass compared to Rispoli, yeah, right, yeah. and, and, and Rispoli on the grass, yeah. You know, okay. the interesting thing about Flavian in, in the finish up at um, at Soga is he finished his second at Saratoga with something like a hundred less mounts than Irad, and certainly lesser horses than Irad had, and and um, just a really impressive first run in that Saratoga meet. Frankly, he doesn't have an East Coast agent yet. <laughs> um, number two on the yeah. uh, on the on the. You're right. I, I didn't. I, I didn't think about that. Who's who's um, his agent's other client? Is Mike? Mike's, no. I'm trying to think, because I think you're, you're allowed two two riders at any one colony. Um, right. So I'm, I don't know. I'm just kind of blanking on, on who that is. So, um, but I do want to all... go ahead, Louis. Yeah, go ahead. I was just no, going to say just... I do want to talk about Kentucky down because I was there today. And um, Zach, go ahead and exit out. We'll. Uh... We'll, we'll just get yeah, we uh, uh, verbally. Um, the so I was down there today, and uh, and it was it was Luminary Central. I mean, you got the Hall of Famer Dan Issel, you got Steve Bick doing his show down there, Ron Flatters down there, you got uh, our guy Tim Wilkin down there, trackside Jenny Reese is down there. Um, I mean, everybody was there. It felt like being at the freaking. John just figured out that I did it out of order because Tim was doing notes with Jenny. Uh, but yeah, so the, um, uh, <laughs> but <laughs> I was there. I mean, everybody was there. It was incredible. And so the, um, it's hard. It's getting hard to put Louis screen on, on, uh, on camera. I just want to let you know, John. <laughs> and so, but no, it's look, we talk about it, Mike cash talks, man, money talks. I mean like that, that's what this is. I, I, the, Going to the bathroom today, I passed two Ortiz brothers. I mean, that's just it is just what it is, right? On a Thursday on the Tennessee border. That's what this is. Buddy talks, and, and it is it is incredible what the you know the rise in purses in Kentucky has done to all of these tracks, to all of them, frankly. That I mean, we, we had uh, Eric Frost on and he's a very minor track. He just had his first graded stakes winner over the weekend at Kentucky Downs in the Derby there in the Dual Grass. And he's like, "Yeah, I'm based in Kentucky, and I don't have to go anywhere now. I'm good." And we're what are you talking about when money does? Five thousand dollar maidens at Turfway. We're running for, you know, half a million bucks. There, there are two hundred and fifty thousand dollar allowance races at Kentucky Downs today for two year olds. Wow. Why would you leave? Where are you going? I mean, I, I, just, I mean, and I, I just if you're based here, man, it's gonna, it, it, you know, the interesting thing, like. Uh, we were, we were going back and forth with Dr. Derby on Twitter a couple of years ago, and he said, you live in a, you live in a, a an artificial ecosystem or something like that. You live in a bubble, yeah. And, man, I, is that the only concern here, John? Is there a possibility it just becomes – you know, we watch it in college sports with the SEC and the Big Ten. They're going to get these huge TV deals, and everyone else is going to have a third of the money, a quarter of the money. Is there any possibility that happens in horse racing? Oh, yeah. Oh, after, after it already is, isn't it? I'm, you're right. It, it does. Yeah. I mean, the real question is, you know, is is California racing a power five race you know, place, you know, because uh, it, it's sort of on the cusp. You know, New York has the um, yeah. the backing of Fox, you know, because Fox owns 25 percent of number bets and uh, Florida racing is really only exists, you know, during the Gulfstream meeting. And even that, that's not a very good meeting. Right. You know, there's a lot of 
crappy races there. There's just a couple of big races, but I think traditionally you don't want to be in New York because it's too too cold. Um, they Illinois do wear a lot, though. I mean, five days a week is a lot of Gulfstream. Yes. They run a lot of Wednesday through Sundays. I mean, Illinois racing doesn't exist anymore. Uh, you know, Colonial Downs had a, a very successful midweek big day. Was it really? Tuesday or Wednesday? Whatever. Both, actually. Both of them went over six okay. million. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. Um, Texas is, is dead. Uh, there's not, nothing that matters in Arizona or New Mexico. Um, in California, Northern California is, you know, although we all love Matt Dinnerman, he's not calling great races. He's calling great races, but they're not great races. And uh, in Southern California, uh, again, at some point, when does the real estate value of Santa Anita that, can, that is only able to race three days a week, um, when, does, when does that, you know, not not make sense anymore uh and then del mar of course is, is does not own its property you know it's owned by the state and it's it's a fairgrounds they can't run all year round there and of course i mean i think one of the biggest mistakes that the california racing made was when sam anita went for like this six-month meeting yeah. and um they did put a couple of, of dark weeks in there but there there's just too much racing now, Kentucky, you've got, you know, you've got Churchill and Turfway. You've got, you know, Kentucky Downs. You know, it's just um, Keeneland. Keeneland, yeah. yeah. But, I, but I think Louis says Keeneland is really only about the sales, not about the racing. It is. Uh, so, <clears throat> you know, if, if racing goes to its final legs, um, Kentucky will be the bubble. Kentucky will be where it exists um, because, uh, you know, the infrastructure there, the the, uh, the purses, you know, and, and the, the historical racing gambit, which is frankly what it is, um, you know, has worked very well for them, yeah. you know. Yeah. And, and you know, again, we also don't know what sports betting is going to do for California racing. They have, they have two amendments. One of them says brick and mortar only. One of them says online. Well, which one do you think is going to be better for racing? Well, that, that would be brick and mortar, but I don't know which one's going to pass. I mean... You know, I, I don't know. Just got no clue. All right. Well, I, I have been of the opinion on this show, and I know you've heard it, that we need we need Santa Anita, we need Del Mar to be grade one tracks, essentially, if we're using horse racing terms. We need that to be a grade one circuit. So, um, yeah, absolutely. I, I, I hope they can figure it out for sure. Because those are, I mean, and I'm not, and I mean, this is this is both just as a fan on the outside, things like the Santa Anita Derby leading in, the, the, you know, the, the preps that run through Southern California, the ability to host those Breeders' Cups in a really meaningful way. Um, and then, frankly, for us, just watching the demographic of our show, I mean, if we didn't have Southern California, we'd have 20% less listeners or something, yeah. you know, whatever. I mean, like, it's just really popular where, it, you know, out there. And so I just, you know, it is. Is that know, all because of Sherva, though? I mean, don't you think that's only listen? So, you know, that's a really good question. Um, yeah. my, my initial thought is yes. Um, my second thought is no chance. And so I choose one of those. There you go. It's somewhere in the middle. Let's go with that. All right, John, you know, thanks for joining us. Downs, I mean, just there, it just, it, to me, it's, there's the role is seven days for me. It's really a couple of dark weeks, actually give the stewards a couple of days off, um, that, and, uh, we had the, uh, the VP of racing on, on the radio show this morning. And he essentially said, we can't run more than we run because we'll just kill the course. And, and so I, I was happy to hear that, I'll be honest, because I think it's better as a super, as a hyper boutique meet, essentially, like being very, very small, being very unique amongst racing, 
And so uh, hopefully they're able to uh, keep it at the seven days or so. Yeah. Now, now you guys have gone almost 44 minutes though. You just have without mentioning green sheet racing. Is that no, the that's the next thing. We, is, actually... is that the segment you're looking for? <laughs> yeah, we're, we go there next when we talk handicapping. Don't worry, we've know... been texting with the Green Sheet folks all day yesterday. All day long. They're good. They're good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, all all day. Our friends are Green Sheets, or uh, you know, the relationship's going well for both of us. They they're yeah. very good. So, but we also know that you don't want to handicap. Uh, I don't. No, it's. Yeah. It, I would be arrested for fraud if that happened. <laughs> you know. And that's why I don't handicap, John. So there you go. I just set, I just put the ball on the tee for Louie and just let him swing the club. So, all righty. Right, we'll, oh. we'll talk to you next time, John. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, guys. John Sherva, uh, racing extraordinaire of the LA Times. So, uh, all right. Well, let's do the green sheet segment, by the way. Make sure you're going out to green sheet and uh, greensheetracing.com and getting your green sheet for the weekend uh, and take part of watching the great races down at Kentucky Downs. And like Louie said, there's going to, there's a, Three grade twos and two grade threes, but two of those have a million dollar purse. So two of those grade twos have a million dollars purse. And the 750 race, which is actually a grade three, could get bumped up to a million dollars. Um, Louis, the thing that makes this whole thing crazy to me is that you see a horse like Goofo uh, yes. travel on two weeks rest <laughs> to get down here to race for a million dollars. That's like, exactly it. Yeah. I mean, it, it's wild, man. It, it is money crazy. Talks. Money talks, it is right? freaking crazy. Money so talks. you let's... go run, you go win that. I get it. You, you have to run in the sword dancer. I get it. That's a stallion race. I understand it. But boom, you turn around. Oh, there's $600,000 in on the Tennessee border. Yeah. I might have to go to that. Okay. You know I mean? Christ almighty. It is. Uh, by the way, the place is beautiful. Have um, they done any improvements to it? Or is it still just a field? Like, you know, uh, okay. That's the only thing I didn't get to do today that I wanted to do was actually walk on the course. Do you remember the USC Notre Dame football game uh, with Reggie Bush getting pushed into the end zone? I, I was literally there. And the grass was this deep, and uh, people are watching at home. Yeah. Uh, the nine inches of grass. I, was, like I, I wasn't watching at home, yeah. but yes, I was, at, I was at the game. Right. Yeah. So it's like being in my bedroom. It, uh, it, is, it is like that over their entire turf course. It is just like – it is a meadow – um, in, in the nicest way that I can say it, uh, it's very well maintained. I mean, it's very consistent throughout. You can tell it's all exactly the same. A lot of uh, undulations. Mm -hmm. If we had outtakes, we would save that one. Um, but there's two separate different dips in the track, one of them on the backside, one of them on the front side. And, uh, and so it's a very unique course. When we had Eric Foster on today, I asked him, you know, what should I look for if I'm handicapping? And he goes, I don't know. Uh, some horses take well to it and some horses don't. <laughs> I was like, thank you, Eric. I appreciate that very much. Thank you. Thank you, Eric. Thank you. Um, there, there it is. That's all you need to know. <laughs> so I, so when, we, as we get into the handicapping here with our friends at green sheet, um, I'm doing a late pick four because this is a wildly uh, unpredictable sequence. However, the good thing about Kentucky downs 14% takeout on both the pick five and the pick four. So you're not penalized for playing these shorter sequences. Penalized. It's, Penal. like, it's not penaled at all. Um, penalized. 14% for that takeout on the pick four. So we'll be playing that. I do want to talk about all five of the uh, late races. Well, then let's do it, Louie. I mean, let's get to it. There, and there's actually, uh, and, uh, we don't even have the other million dollar race on there, which is the Windstar uh, Mint Million uh, stakes. They're not, now they're not racing tomorrow, correct? They're taking, they're letting they the They do turf a course. Thursday, Saturday, Sunday. Yep. Yes, that's, that's right. And that's for the integrity of the turf course, actually. So. Yeah. All right. So are we going to not, we're going to not do the Windstar? Let's do, is that earlier in the day? Yeah, race okay. five. Let, let's look at it. All right. So rate, we'll start there with race five, which is 
a million dollars online. Uh, again, everything here is a turf. Uh, this is one mile for three-year-olds and up. Uh, and this is the Windstar. Uh, we're going to see some like a hot brown here um, who's at 12 to 1, which is kind of crazy to even think. Um, of course, it's been around for a little bit. Who do you like in this race, Louie? Mike, check your email, okay? Um, do, you, do you want me to check my email? Okay. I'll yeah, check. check your email. I'll, I'll start talking and you check your email. Okay. Um, so this is, uh, help me out, race two? Yeah. Sorry. I'm sorry, race five. Race five, pardon me. Yeah. So I'm going to look at a couple of things uh, this weekend. Um, Tyler Gefalion is the all-time leading rider at uh, Kentucky Downs. I'm going to lean on him in spots where I can't quite figure things out. <coughs> Excuse me. I'm going to look at horses that have run at Kentucky Downs previously and won. So mm -hmm. in that race, you get pixelated in the two-hole, for example. Which Joe Rosario, the Did you just say the two-hole? The two-hole. You, you get it in the two-hole? Okay. Get in the two-hole, though. Uh, right. Won the Mint Million last year, um, is stepping into the Mint Million again this year. Uh, cool thing, last year to this year, um, th that that uh, race kept its graded status. So what we're seeing is as these horses come in, as you see a Gufo come in uh, for a grade two, they're going to be able to keep those graded statuses for these races, which is very fun. Pixlate wins the race last year over Some Like It Hot Brown, who's also in this field um, and also ran really well. Some Like It Hot Brown, one time over the course, uh, came in second that time. You get 9-2 to two on something like a hot brown, a 5-1 to one on pixelate based more on recent form. Has only run one time this year, and that was in July. Guess what? We're second off the layoff. I love that angle, of course. A little bit over a month off um, in this case, about mm, four or five weeks. And uh, uh, trainer Michael Stidden come in at 17%. The two of them have already uh, run two horses together at this meet. They've already won. Uh, and so I like that very, very much. Um, something like a hot brown is probably an include here. Two wins last year already got a win this year. Um, has won in a listed stakes over muddy go had to go off the course off the turf uh, to win over mud doesn't bother me that a horse wins over wet go when we're talking about the surface at kentucky downs right a little bit deeper a little bit more work that you have to do going over these distances so that makes sense for mike maker and jose ortiz mike maker by the way already hitting at 25 percent and just smashing it across the board 13 hits on the board in 24 runs at kentucky downs this meet really 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 good uh hit rate so far a tone is actually the favorite here and that's because of the Tyler connection. So if you wanted to go with the jockey connection here, go with the seven to tone. I think that's a totally reasonable angle as well. A tone, and, though, 0 for 5 in 2022. I understand. And I'm, I'm telling you, that's when, that's how much people think of Tyler at Kentucky Downs. I'm, I'm just telling you, that's what people think. He's 5 for 27 so far this year. Um, peppering the board himself 11 times in 27 rounds. I like an outside horse here, though, with David Cohen Calvary charges here. One last year at KD. Avoid Dallas Kentucky Stewart. Downs. Yep. Um, and it was uh, in, in September, actually, uh, in an optional claimer here with Brian Hernandez uh, going uh, going a mile over the over the course. Same exact course that we're going to get here gets to break from the outside. I actually like that horse at 12 to one as well. So I would use any of those four horses. But I would I would lean on Pixelate here at five to one as my top selection. And of course, we saw Calvary charge uh, Indiana Derby Day. Right. So and finish ahead of. Some like a hard brown, and you're you rocking the racing Rachel shirt. She's already commenting. She's texting us and letting us know that only lost to Ivar by a length in that race. Right. I mean that's and, and, and Ivar at twelve to one. Ivar made sense in that race. So Calvary Charge has already run really well this year. Goes and runs in the Arlington Million, and I don't I don't want to be critical of the turf course, but that wasn't a turf race. Right. Um, in in the sort of traditional sense, Calvary Charge already won over the Kentucky Downs course. That means the the environment, the undulations of the course. The environment there, uh, as far as like being tree lined rather than having people in cars or whatever, doesn't bother this horse. Twelve to one's a super nice number, and at Kentucky Downs, those kinds of horses hit all the time. 
What do you think about even taking, uh, you know, the, another horse that was in that race is who's been running out of Ellis Park also, who like Grace Fable at a 10 to 1. But I, a Calvary Charge at 12 to 1 is a much better play than Grace Fable at 10 to 1. I, I mean. think in my mind it is. Uh, Mikhail Michelle is a nice rider. She's only hitting at 7% this year, four wins at 55 rides. Um, she and Brian Lynch have already won actually this year together, but not at Kentucky Down. She's 0 for 5. She hasn't even hit the board. And so um, I, I just, for me, Calvary Charge makes much, much more sense at 12 to 1. Okay, so uh, we're gonna we're gonna move on to the next race. And when I said twelve to one on someone like a Hearts Brown, I was actually looking at Kentucky Ghost, the horse right below him. I got oh. my eyes kind of uh, played tricks on me. So, yeah, uh, we're gonna move By to the, the way, Kentucky... Kentucky Ghost. Another horse, twelve to one, has hit the board twice, runs second twice at Kentucky Downs. So the horse isn't without experience at the track and has run well there, both uh, ninety speed uh, buyer speed figures plus. And so that's Rafa Bejarano, man. You're not gonna go wrong with that guy. He's gonna give you an honest ride. Hasn't won yet at the meeting, but it doesn't mean that he can't pick one up. All right, we're going to see uh, a potential uh, female star in the uh, one-mile turf for the ladies, the Kentucky Downs ladies turf. Uh, this is a grade three. It is, um, like Louis said, a $750,000 purse. But if uh, Kentucky Thoroughbred is going to potentially – maybe even another three hundred seventy-five. Is that what it is? Is that what I read? Yeah, 375000 yeah, yeah, so uh, listen, <laughs> another great field. we got Delica, we get Hindi Woods. I mean – uh, this is this is another nice field. What do you, who do you like in this one? Yeah, Delica. I just um, so again, one on, Princess Grace. on the Beverly D on that uh, yeah. on that uh, Million Day. Again, not really a turf course counterpoint. She's already won at Kentucky Towns previously, running a ninety-six piece figure in this race. Uh, winner last year, um, she wins it. Uh, or excuse me, she runs in this race last year behind Princess Grace by a half a length. She's right there, right, um, carrying the same weight, doing the whole thing. Gets Brian Hernandez Jr. here, uh, who rode her to the win at Churchill Downs. Uh, so she's an inclusive. Excuse me. <coughs> I need a drink beer. That's all right. You drink all the beer you need. You're making, uh, you're making Rachel proud. <laughs> and so, um, Hendy Woods, of course, was involved in um, in a in a in a dead heat. It's going to rain on Saturday. Uh, we don't know how much, um, and so we might be looking at a good turf course rather than a firm turf course. And this horse has one over Good Go at Indiana in the listed stakes. Um, who did you say was a future uh, Princess Grace? Yes. Yeah, Princess Grace could be. I mean. I think Princess Grace is, is the top play here with Florence Drew, Michael Stidham. Two of them have already won at Kentucky Downs this meeting. Horse won last year in this race when she was going great. And then she got off this course. Things slowed down for her. She did come back uh, to win a grade three at Parks over firm go over two, over two turns. Um, what's interesting about the mile course here, because you take that elongated trip around uh, the, uh, the final turn there, it's almost like a two-turn race, actually. It's not right. like one turner at Belmont. You actually have to do the work of going around a full turn. Um, Almost, it's almost like running a circle, honestly. Yeah, it's almost like 50% more work than you would have to do at another track. And so I really trust her since she did that. Frankly, she ran a really good race in the Beverly D, so if she runs that form back, and she has the experience at Kentucky Downs of not hating the track, she should be able to come back and win this race as well. So I would definitely use her. And then I just I don't know about the nine. It's on a really low price here. The four uh, with Jose Lascano and, and Shug. Two of them hitting in an insane percentage of 28% this year. I just don't know if she's going to like the course here. And I really worry about that for a lot of these horses. Um, sometimes you have to gamble that a certain horse will like it. And, uh, and so I sort of just guess that they're going to like it. Uh, but I would leave her off the tickets. I would lead on Princess Grace. I would lead on Delica, who are both winners here. And on Hendy Woods, frankly, uh, the three here, who's with uh, Julian Leperu, who already has four wins over this course, 19% at Kentucky Downs. He's a turf rider. That's what he does the best, right? He's going to be a guy that rides the grass the best. Uh, his best form will be on the grass. And so, um, Hendy Woods, uh, who was won twice um, uh, the last, oh, about five out, including one, uh, the one dreamer last year, 
$400,000 listed stakes because that's what they do at uh, Kentucky Towns. Um, should have a good trip here, so I would use those horses. I'm looking also maybe at Lady Spate Spear for a little bit yeah. of a value play at 8-1. to 8-1 is um, a really nice number. Um, all right. so Because that's a winner. Uh, Sometimes horses just win, right? And, and That's right. Yeah. Yeah. All right, the FanDuel Turf Sprint is a great two for a million dollars. Six furlongs. It's going to be kind of starting at the beginning third of that kind of weird turn that they have. Yeah. Um, I guess really the first turn is the weirder turn, the more of the hairpin turn. I don't know. Um, this is a, another great race. Million dollars here, Louie. Who do you like in this one? So Irad came in, won the first race today. Um, yeah. And he's got a recipe right on the outside. And people might say, oh, man, you're, you're breaking right at the top of the turn. That's a terrible spot to be on the outside. The good news for her, or for him, excuse me, rest of is cold. For him, is that you have to go, and he wants to be out front. And if he's going to win this race, he's going to have to be out front. So he's going to have to break well. He's going to have to get out front. He has to stay out front. Six runs the last two years, he's hit the board, and all of them won four, a second, and a third. So if you want a horse that's possibly a single in your sequence – this might be it. I wouldn't single anyone in this sequence. I just don't think the track plays that way. Um, it's just not It's just not that kind of freaking track. It just isn't. Uh, there are lots of horses here that you could use that make a lot of sense. Chewing Gum has run in every track in North America. Woodbine, Santa Anita, Aqueduct, Belmont, Kentucky Downs, Saratoga, Churchill Downs. Horse has been everywhere. And the horse has won four times in 24 runs. Five to one on the line. Belmont, seven-year-old horse. Joel Rosario already picked off a couple wins at the meet, has been training over at the Belmont training track, but won at Kentucky Downs last year or two years ago. God, I can't even remember now. It's been a while, but the horse has been everywhere. It doesn't seem to mind where he runs. So if you just want a horse that runs all over the place, chewing gum would be that kind of horse. He's the two in this race. Um, oh, I really like somebody in this race. Where are my notes? Where are my notes? Where are my notes? Chewing gum has gone head-to-head with the rest of me red a couple times and yeah. uh, has uh, come – Hit the board, but rest me red, uh, much the better in those races. We're uh, seeing good form out of horses that have won at Ellis Park. And I don't yes. know why that is, but for some reason, horses that have won at Ellis Park have come to Kentucky Downs and done well. And so in this case, totally boss the 10 is 12 to 1. Florence Rue and Rusty Arnold um, has won over a yielding course at, at uh, Keeneland before as well. Um, ran, uh, ran seventh, but by three quarters of a length, three, three and a quarter lengths, excuse me. At Kentucky Downs in the in the turf uh, sprint last year over soft go. If it's not that wet, if it's something where the horse can actually get its footing, totally boss at twelve to one might be a problem here. But I do think Arrestme Red is is on top here, and it's pretty significant. Off to the next horse. Um, I, other horses that you know don't have experience here uh, that might be a problem. Um, you know, I think you know, for example, like Johnny Unleashed has run here twice. Nothing to show for it. That's the kind of horse that you should toss. Um, once in a while, horses that run on synthetic, by the way, have been running really well here. So Arzak is a horse here who's four for six lifetime on the on the synthetic. And that was mostly over the Woodbine synthetic. So I don't know how well that will translate here. Um, picks up Kimura, the jockey, hasn't run uh, yet at, uh, at Kentucky Downs. That might be kind of an include here. It's, it's a not this time in a, a tap and dam. I just, I'm interested if more of these synthetic runners who seem to not mind that the more work you have to do with synthetic, not minding to have to deal with the deeper turf um, at Kentucky Downs as well. All right. We're going to move on to the, uh, I guess the, the star of the day, right? This is the big one, the yeah. Kentucky turf cup, the great $2 million purse mile and a half. 
And uh, we talked about Gufo being a mile and a half specialist. Gufo trying to run a mile and a half for the second time uh, in two weeks uh, after winning the Sword Dancer is a heavy favorite at seven to five. Um, can Gufo do it again? I, I'm against him here. Um, I'm going to try to use Arklow, who has run four times in Kentucky Downs, never finished worse than second, seems to enjoy the course, uh, was in this Turf Cup last year, lost by a neck um, a couple years back over Softco in the Kentucky uh, Turf Cup, which was a grade three at the time, ran a 102 over over Softco. We may have a really wet, soft surface on Saturday, won that race. So I'm going to lean on Arklow here. I think if you had to single – if you had to single, this would be the leg you would do it in, and you would use our club. And oh, you would not four hours. What's that? And not okay. Wow, you see, I, you... I I hate the two week layoff here. I hate it. I, I, I do too, I, but I also hate the fact that Arklo is. I mean, really, kind of coming off a of somewhat of a turbulent twenty twenty one. Has only raced once in twenty twenty two. off the layoff, first time off the layoff, runs in a grade two, is only a half length off at the finish. At a mile and three eighths, we get an extra eighth of a mile here. I think this actually sets up really, really well for Arco. I think this is the kind of race that Brad Cox picks off all the time. 28% second off the layoff with Brad Cox. Horse has had great success at Kentucky Downs. This is the kind of horse I definitely lean into. All right. Well, there it is. So that's that's uh, Louis Big on the Arco there. So we're going to go through the six and a half furlong grade three, the Mint Ladies Sprint, which is a $600,000 purse. Um, who do you like in this one, Louis? I don't, um, okay. but, uh, you know, Campanelle comes in here, obviously, you know, <laughs> people really leaning on IRAD with turf sprinters. Lately. Can we just talk about how bad the allergies are in Kentucky right now? Yeah, I don't know why I'm sitting outside except that my kids were getting home from school when uh, the show was going to be, <laughs> I didn't want to be in my basement because the weather's perfect. Um, but Campanelle's won twice um, this year, uh, once this year, excuse me, went over to ask it, didn't work out. Uh, they tried her in a, a straight line race didn't work she gets to go back to turn uh here i do think that's going to be good for her she did win the giants causeway at keeneland uh by a bunch by two and a half lengths she was really really good that day uh she's coming out of the 10 hole here i i'm interested because i don't think it'll bother her to have to pass horses but on the on the finish at kentucky downs you go down a hill and then up a hill and then you flatten out essentially at the finish I'm so sorry. I, I think you, you know it'll be interesting to see if she if she takes to that very well. Um, she only lost by three quarters of a length, um, you know, at, at Ascot. So it's not like she ran poorly um, in a in a you know 24 horse field. <laughs> Good old 24 horse field. Kind of waiting for those to happen uh, at Kentucky Downs someday. But if you're looking for another horse, I really have always liked Jouster. Uh, was a horse that has won in a bunch of listed spots. Um, is stepping up into graded spot here in the Grade Three. But um, Jouster's a really, really nice horse. You get Joe Rosario on top, Pletcher. I don't think Pletcher sends her unless she's really ready. Has been running at Saratoga over mile uh, distances. Has been uh, largely every other type horse as well. So she ran well two back in the perfect song. Um, before that, she was winning every other um, last year in, in, in 21. Gave her a little bit of time off over the um, from July of, 21, July of 21 to March. So she's run five times this year. She won the one in the perfect song going uh, the one-turn mile over the turf at Belmont. She kind of gets the same setup here um, because the six-and-a-half actually starts at the bottom, near the bottom of the hill, so they actually have to run up the hill there to get to that turn. So it's going to feel like a mile, not like six-and-a-half furlongs, and so it'll be interesting to see if she takes to it. Tyler's on the one base storm. This might be where you just use him. That horse has won two in a row. Stepping up in class again. 
coming off an optional claimer win, two back at, at Belmont, over six furlongs, five and a half at at, um, at Monmouth. The horse can go out front and stay out front. The horse can also stalk. I worry a little bit about that rail position getting swallowed up by four or five horses, something like that, and getting stuck on the rail. If she's able to not do that, then she can be a factor as well. I, I just I think either you really lean, like I said, on Campanelle, or you, or you just grab a bunch. Campanelle does have that European experience. I imagine going six furlongs um, at Ascot, it does have a hill involved, right? So she's going to have that experience. So she might in good spots there. Um, 11, in good spirits, is an Alstall. Uh, John Velasquez combination as well. And so just, but hasn't won this year, has been running decently well, has been close, has been with, within two and a half lengths at every race. But those are in lesser races than this. And we're also talking about Churchill and Woodbine over sprints. And then we try a two turn at Saratoga and she's, you know, she's in fourth place. I just don't know where she is. And so, like I said, I think you might have to lean on a couple other horses. The final stakes race of the day will be the six and a half furlong Franklin Simpson, a great two. So if you like Tyler, Tyler's actually on a 15 to one shot uh, in the, in the two with Pletcher as the, as the trainer, that's not a bad 15 to one bet, but we are probably going to see, cause this is three golds only. We're going to see, could be a rising star in the turf world, the turf sprint world and big invasion. Uh, yeah. Who's won six out of the last seven. Who do you like in this one, Louie? I do like big invasion. It's just, it's just the consistency. Uh, runs at Saratoga, Belmont, Churchill, Gulfstream seems to not matter where horse is right there or wins. Only time he didn't win was when he lost by two in his, his debut uh, over uh, five furlongs at Gulfstream during the championship meet. Breaks his maiden during the championship meet. Then they move him straight into Stakes Company. Has never left Stakes Company. Has won all of them. And to me, that is just the sign of a horse that, that is a massive competitor. Um, it'll be interesting. You're right, Mike, because um, I'm trying to think of, for example – at Keeneland, the restricted three-year-old races in October, if there's one that might fit Big Invasion uh, because of the connections, Christophe Clement will definitely run horses at Keeneland. And so um, it, we might see him this fall. But I think you you can get skinny in a couple of legs here. Um, Big Invasion is certainly one of them. But uh, again, because it's a sprint and because they're starting with that hill, something a lot of these horses have never done and by a lot of these i mean every single freaking horse in this race has never done this it's something where you might want to spread just a little bit uh, run curtis run is right next door with ricardo santana jr who's already picked off a couple races hitting a 12 percent at uh kentucky down so far the two uh he and mike maker the last couple years at 13 percent maker um unfortunately his graded stakes numbers are, have dropped so he's under 10 percent recently in graded stakes this horse though three runs this year all of them hitting the board uh, one in a high-level allowance, two of the others in graded stakes company. Could he could he be the one that jumps up here? I don't know. Sumter's in this race as well, the eight. Uh, John Velasquez, Richard Mandela, um, the two of them, 0 for 2 at Kentucky Downs so far. Or, 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 excuse me, this year, not just at Kentucky Downs, but in general. Usually don't get together. I don't like Sumter, by the way, the eight, because it's coming from California. The turf courses in California, sand-based, and not uh, and are going to be a lot, a lot shorter, a lot, lot shorter than what we're dealing with at Kentucky Downs. So I would leave Sumter off your ticket which means that horse will win by 50. <laughs> that's typically then, how it uh, goes. That's usually how it goes. And then Stitched is just a winner. Horses coming out of a couple of listed stakes wins at Canterbury and Indiana and at, at a horseshoe Indianapolis. They've given this horse a little bit of time off, though, a couple of months off. I think this is more Greg Foley trying to get a check. Moranjuru hasn't won at this uh, track yet. Um, I'm picking him on, on uh, oh gosh, um, on Arklo. So, I mean, take this for what it is. But um, I do worry that that horse is a little bit out of depth here. Um, so take it for what it is. I do like if, 
if he draws in and I don't know how far down they're going to make them go. Wow. 12. Okay. Um, Katamosto is an also eligible as an Irish horse that um, came over and immediately ran right behind big invasion in third spot at Saratoga going left-handed. <clears throat> and so I'm interested. This horse won some races um, overseas uh, or won a race overseas in the maiden level, but has never stepped up into the next level. Is this the kind of thing getting back with Joseph O'Brien, getting back into these kind of uh, these kinds of uh, turf courses that'll work out? My sense is I- I'm interested, but I probably wouldn't bet. And then the the one that's right there. Call me midnight. That, oh no, no, is Evan oh. Singh. Oh yeah, the Jose Ortiz Al Sol. The third. You said the one, not the one horse. You were talking about actually the right, one. Sorry, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Just wanted the high-level allowance level over good go at Saratoga, going five and a half. And this is second off the layoff of, uh, as well with this horse. So if he keeps that form going, maybe in restricted company, the 13's worth playing if he draws in. Um, and I think there's a good chance that he will. And so, uh, yeah, I, I would lean for sure. I think that it makes sense uh, that, some, that people would be leading on Big Invasion, who's just a winner. Um, but if not, you might be able to get some value with uh, maybe an all-soldable, like Evan said. Well, and, and so to Louis' point, too, about, you know, not raced here. There's only one horse who's actually raced in one, and that horse is going off at 30 to one, and that's the four Heaven Street. So, you know, in a race like this where you don't know how horses are going to handle the hill and everything else, it might sure. be worth just throw two dollars down on Heaven Street and see what happens. And or you go with Tyler, who's got the experience at the track uh, on a 15 to one, those could be some really good value plays there as well. Yep. All right, well, hopefully, it's a great day at uh, at Kentucky Downs and you're, you get your green sheet. And uh, check out Louie's most likely winner, the favorite he's against, and his sequence. And the sequence that you're going to do, is, again, is? Late pick four. The late pick four. And uh, we'll see if we can go for three for three again this weekend. And uh, we appreciate you listening. We're going we're gonna to pay the tab. We're going to get out of here. Thanks for listening. This is the Horse Racing Happy Hour.